Hello everybody and welcome to Roleplay Chat. I'm Matt and I'm a game master who just can't stop talking about roleplaying games. Today we're going to talk about skills. Skills for a player character, skills for an NPC, and kind of skill checks and how those things kind of wrap up all together. I know normally the show is very system agnostic, and I think I also say this in the in the discussion with my guest, but anyway, I know the show is, is often very system agnostic, but I think in this episode, it was kind of hard to avoid focusing on Dungeons and & Dragons and the skills that are found within it. I think some of the things we talk about are still applicable to a broader scale or to a broader, um, you know, system-based, systemless kind of advice, if, if that makes sense, but it still kind of focuses on that. You, you kind of have to abstract it a little bit. I, I try my best to do that in the conversation, but it is what it is. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that's the episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. I, I did want to take this time before we get to the recording to give everyone some updates. So the first update I wanted to let folks know about is the kind of the continued affiliation status of the show for Hero Forge and Drive Through RPG. If you purchase anything on those websites already, please look in the show notes. You'll find an affiliate link and use that if you could. The money that you spend will a fraction of it will find its way back to me and I can use that to make the show better. I'm really hoping to hire some kind of graphic designer or, or artist to create some artwork for the show. Any little bit helps. The next announcement that I wanted to make was about the what is roleplay anyway. This is really moving along quite nicely. I still have some little, you know, some little logistics to sort out and there's still a lot of prep work to be done, but I have found myself a partner to work with to create this panel and I've also have a list of panelists that I've reached out to and who have confirmed their attendance. So the what is roleplay anyway panel is going to be a Twitch streamed panel and more details to come on that as it develops but it's you know it's happening for sure in the end of August. Stay tuned for more information on that. And it's going to be a panel where we talk about myself and the guests and the panelists are going to talk about what role play means to them and how they put on a character, how they put on a personality and how they role play their characters when they play games, when they run games and when they're doing their actual play podcasts and stuff like that. So. I'm really, really excited. We got a really good array of experiences on the panelists that I've reached out to, and I think it's going to be a really neat conversation. The, the, the idea is for the show to be live streamed on Twitch first, and then it's going to be the audio from that is going to be taken and turned into a roleplay chat podcast episode maybe two I think the, the, the discussion is going to go long. It's probably going to be two or three hours long so. Uh, you know, more to come as details come out, but I wanted you, the my, my dedicated listeners of Roleplay Chat, to be the first to kind of get this tidbit, this update. Don't hesitate to reach out to me the usual way. So Twitter, it's at role underscore play underscore chat, or contact me, or send me an email at contact roleplaychat at gmail.com. So yeah, that's that's it for my announcement. So let's go into the discussion. So the today's episode is going to be talking about skill checks and using skills, the different skills of a character, the attributes of a character. It was a really fun conversation that I had. So I'm, you know, without further ado, let's segue right into the discussion. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, everybody, and am I ever excited for our discussion today? Today, I am joined by the one and only K.O. Myers. He is the founder and podcast producer for Particulate Media. He is also, and you may know him as, the host of Roll Factory, a tabletop RPG podcast, where K.O. and a guest explain one part of the Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition player character sheet, one part at a time per episode. Uh, Kale, why don't you say hi to the listeners? Hello to the listeners, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. 
my pleasure. My pleasure, Ko. Uh, before we get into today's uh, topic at hand, which is talking about you know character skills and, and passive skills and all of that, uh, why don't you quickly give the listeners your origin story, your geek origin story? Tell us about uh, you know the, the systems that you play, the Oof. how long you've been playing, things like that, your favorite systems and your your game master style, stuff like that. Sure, absolutely. Um, so my geek origin story starts way back in the mists of time. My first dungeon manager was actually my dad. Uh, I think I was 11 years old, and I actually got introduced to D&D because my parents played. Um, they a, a group of families from our church, the, the parents all got, would get together once a month for, for several years, actually, and, um, and played. And they wouldn't let us kids play with them because they wanted to have their adult time and not have to worry <laughs> about, about policing us. And so um, my dad tried to put together a group for me and some friends more than once, and and we had the same scheduling problems in the 80s that people have these days. <laughs> um, over the years, I've played, gosh, a ton of different systems, but I, uh, I, had, a, I had a long fling with GURPS. I played something called Twilight 2000, which was you know, for a kid growing up in the 80s and early 90s was, it was, you know, set in a post, post-nuclear apocalypse uh, warlord kind of future and was mostly memorable because it had a, a damage system that allowed you to select individual body parts. And oh. I, once, I once did 400-some points of damage with a rocket launcher to, to, to an enemy's head. And, you know, for a teenage boy, which was that. that <laughs> That's the dream right there, yeah. <laughs> um, but the Marvel superheroes system, which I can't remember the name of off the top of my head, and Rifts was a was a favorite. I loved how it brought all of those. So you could you could have like monsters and mechs all in the same in the same mix. Um, but I keep coming back to D, to D and D in part because of you know my history with it, but also just because it's of its ubiquity. It's not necessarily the easiest system, but it is. There's so many resources, and it's so easy to tell someone to just, here's this link to go learn the basics, and then we can get started. So um, it's this, it's what I just keep coming back to, and I've been DMing in 5th edition now since 2017. Nice. Yeah, you know, there there's something about what you said, because, yeah, there's so many beautiful systems out there. They just don't have the resources. They just don't have the critical mass that D&D has, and there's something to be said about that, right? There's... There's a beauty in a tool that does what it needs to do and can be done can be used to do other things at the same time. Maybe it's not the most effective tool, but it still mm. gets the job done. Um, absolutely, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think that that puts us in a in a good position to talk about skills. But before before I do that, I do want to spotlight your podcast a little bit. Do you want to maybe tell the listeners a little bit about Roll Factory and what Roll Factory is all about before we you know do our deep dive? Absolutely, and and honestly, your your description was was pretty much the basic. I mean, the, the the overview, but really came out of me. I've most of the games that I've DM'd for um, have been a majority, if not all, new players. I really enjoy introducing new players to the game. I love seeing the the way that they the spin that they put on playing their characters, watching them open up to role play and the possibilities. And the first time that they say, oh, can I try this thing that I had not heard before is always a delightful moment for me. And there are a lot of shows out there that are aimed at new players, but they tend, in my experience, they tend to fall into two camps. There's the actual play shows that do that do a lot of description of, oh, here's what we're doing, here's why we're doing it, which are great. But you have to listen through a whole session, and if they don't get to the particular check you're looking for, then you won't have you you know you won't you won't get exposure to it. And mm-hmm. then there's in in the video space, particularly, there's a lot of general guides for new players, and there's a lot of more granular stuff about rules for DMs. But I couldn't find anything that was very you know, very focused on like okay, I need to. And there's, I, sh- I should say, there there is more of this in the text format. Like if you look, if you go looking for a blog post or or a you know a listicle explaining it, that you know how do I do an athletics check, right? There's a lot more of that in text. But I I was looking for something that would would have that in a bite sized thing that I could that someone could listen to, because I'm I'm also a longtime podcast listener and producer, and so 
I like the I like the medium and I like the portability of it. I like the fact that it's something you can do while you're doing something else, while you're driving, while you're washing the dishes or walking the dog or whatever. And I like the intimacy of the medium too, it being right in somebody's ear to share my opinion or the information or whatever. And so I couldn't find any, I couldn't find anything like that. And I thought, like a lot of folks have over the years, I was like, well, I guess I might as well just do it myself. Um, and so, yeah, it's I've. Thus far, I've gone through all of the ability checks from strength through charisma, and I've talked a little bit generally about what the types of what the types of roles are. I'm in the middle now of recording a season going through all of the saving throws, and then I'll move on to the skills, and then we'll see what I do from there. I may do um, you know class features by class or things like that, but I just really wanted something where somebody somebody could go for go look for, okay, I need to know how to do a dexterity saving throw, what does that look like? When will it come up and, and what should I be prepared? How should I be prepared to, to approach it? Um, get an explanation, hear a demonstration of, of a role, success or failure, and then that'd be it. And so that's Roll Factory was born. Yeah, I, and I, I think we should also say my favorite part, I mean, it's a fantastic podcast, but what I love about it is how concise it is. You know, episodes are for the most part all under 10 minutes, I think. Right. Yep. Correct me if I'm wrong. So it, like you said, it's very precise. You, you as a player or as a game master or somebody who needs a refresher on what one of these things might be, you go find that episode, you go listen to it again, and it's all there in a very tight, you know, you play it at 1.5 times the speed and you're done in <laughs> under five minutes and you're good. <laughs> yes. And so eventually I, ho- I, I hope that it will serve kind of, yeah, kind of as a library where you can either go and look at for the specific thing you need or if you have a new player who has a little bit of time, they can sit down, listen, listen to them all. Obviously, not in a row, because I, even I wouldn't want to listen to all of them in a row. But you know, <laughs> um, listen to them in chunks. And by the time you're done, you have heard in action everything on the basic character sheet. Hopefully, you go to your table and you've got that information, and it sticks in your head, and it's helpful. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, fantastic. And and actually, listening to your podcast. KO was what inspired me to create today's theme, today's topic for for today's episode of Roleplay Chat, being skills, skill checks, and we, you know, we talked a little bit about this before the show. You know, passive skills versus active skills, things like this. So, I, I what we normally do on Roleplay Chat is we define the topic that we're going to be discussing. Sure, but I, I I mean I wonder if skills. Let's do it anyway. But skills in D and D. I think it's pretty self-explanatory what what we mean. But let, let's just go through the motions. And sure. if I have to cut this out, I'll cut this out. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> um, so I, I like to say, without looking it up, without pulling out a dictionary, what do we mean when we say skills? And I'll I'll pass the microphone to you first, Ko, and then I'll supplement what you have to say. Well, I'm I'm definitely curious to hear your perspective on it. But the way I think of skills is as a role-playing game is trying to, in some way, is trying to simulate a world and how you interact with it. And skills are their attempt to take all of the possible things you could do, all of the ways you could interact with the world, physically, mentally, emotionally, and boil them down into a manageable set of characteristics. So you've got physical skills like athletics and acrobatics, you've got more mental skills like, um, excuse me, like arcana or, um, or history. Yes, exactly. History, uh, nature. Um, you've got skills that are about trying to influence an individual, like, like persuasion or deception. And you've got skills that are about trying to gather information into the world, like perception and uh, investigation. And so it's giving you a framework for, okay, when a, you as a player say, I, here's this thing I want to do, if your DM wants to be able to adjudicate success or failure, they can then go to the skill list and say, okay, what is the thing that most closely resembles or, or summarizes the thing that you're trying to do? And we'll use that as a, we'll roll on that skill and use that to adjudicate success. Yeah, awesome. I I love that. And I think what I, I'll say this now, just as a caveat for for everybody listening, we're going to probably most likely talk a lot about Dungeons and Dragons in today's episode. I know for the most part, we tend to be a system neutral, uh, system neutral podcast, try to focus on, on other things. And I'll, and I'll try to do that. But I think it's it's hard not to talk about skills in the D&D world t- tend to kind of bleed out into everything else. So I, I think 
I'm sorry <laughs> for those of you listening <laughs> who who feel passionately about other systems. Hopefully, we can, you know we can make this as anecdotal as we can and, and try to make it as system agnostic as possible. But likely, you know, a lot of our examples are going to be pull, pulled out of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, likely, it, although that is an interesting. I, I that is one of the things that I like about trying about other systems is the way that. Because they're because they a lot of them do look at it differently. Like they'll they'll either be a different set of skills, a different set of skills that is specific to the world. Like mm-hmm. um, I played uh, I played a Deadlands stream a, a little while back. Uh, was DM'd by the Burnt Coin, who is a fantastic DM. And so there so there are skills that are that are much more like there's about like skills about firearms and things like that that are very specific to the yeah. to the Western setting. And then others that are a little more broad, like. Um, I'm thinking of lasers and feelings. It was just two skills, I think, in that game, right? It's, it's. I believe so. Yeah, that and that's it. Lasers and feelings are the skills. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, and there are lots of there are lots of systems in between that will have like a very limited set of and which requires more, you know, a little bit more creativity from from the DM and the players in order to sort of how do you categorize what they're trying to do? You can obviously opinions can differ about whether or not the the longer list of skills in 5e in D&D 5e is the way to go i I, re- I remember there being many more specific skills that you could get in in 3.5 um but like that that's an inter- that's always an interesting thing distinction to me in the systems how they decide to do that do they give you more specific options or do they let you have the freedom and the the freedom and the burden i guess of deciding where it falls yeah, ab- absolutely. And and I think that that's part of the beauty of it, right? Each system tends to focus on the things. And and this this will be my addition to the definition here is to me a skill in a role-playing game is a thing that a character can be really cool at doing. Something that can <laughs> y- y- yes. uh, a, a method in which you as the player can have your moment to shine and 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 overcome some kind of obstacle. Obviously, you can also focus on the bad side of this. Sometimes you can be very weak at a skill, but the ways that I tend to run my games tend to focus more on things that you're good at and try to make everybody feel like a hero. And and I think Dungeons and Dragons as a whole is a system that kind of tries to facilitate that kind of play. You know, it's it's fantasy heroism or whatever you want to call it. Mm. So, so yeah. So I think skills, like you're saying, Ko, they they try the system or the game or the rules try to categorize all of the possible actions and and attributes that a character could have into a set of things that then you as the player get to pick which of those things your character is going to be awesome at. And then hopefully you get opportunities as a game master to shine the light on those moments to have cool things happen. I see your point about you deciding as a player what your character is going to be good at. I think that's something that i think about a lot when i'm when i'm creating pcs and npcs is sort of Mm. what are that what do i want them to be good at and then what where do they need to have what skills do they need to have facility with to in order to make them do that but i also at the same time i i like the role-playing there are plenty i should say there are plenty of role-playing opportunities that don't have anything to do with with any statistics at all but there are, I think, uniquely interesting opportunities for role play that come from a character having a, a you know, trying to use a weak skill um, and rolling very well and succeeding and it being a surprise and a big deal, or rolling poorly and not succeeding, and then, you know, every every success or failure is an opportunity for the story to take a to take a turn. And so I think about that a lot when I'm when I'm creating characters, but also then when I'm building an adventure for yeah for a group like what are they going to be good at and what would be interesting to see them try and fail and how can we sort of fail forward and keep the story going yeah absolutely and and i think ko you're you're touching up on something that i was hoping to talk to you about actually so you know stop me if if you don't have more to say about that but i i do think that when we as game masters and even people you know who are players when you when you think about the skills available to you as a as a character you tend to think of it as a very mechanical thing right it's either i'm good at this or i'm not good at this or i have this bonus or i've been trained in it and or, or whatnot but 
Unless you're a bard and you've got jack of all trades and then you're just a little bit good at everything. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I, I guess my first question for you would be, how do you take, as, as a game master, how do you take this list of skills, these l- things that you know your, your players are good at, and how do you translate that into moments where players to kind of solve a puzzle or have an awesome role play moment, you know, take something that's purely mechanical and, and, and drag it into the realm of role play or mm-hmm. exploration, you know, kind of take it into another pillar of the game. That's a really good question. And I think there's the answer to it is sort of multifaceted. I mean, and, and depends a little bit on the skill and on the player. So I've played with folks who really are into like want to play rogues or monks and are really into the physical aspects of that. And so giving them opportunities in combat, especially where they're sort of, you know, I'm 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 using my movement, but I want to run up the wall and then and then leap down behind the enemy and stab them in the back, right? I'll let you make an acrobatics check as part of your movement. If you do well on the check, you pull off the move and maybe it gives you, you know, some bonus. You, yeah. get, you get a bonus on the on the attack or the damage. Um, but but if you don't, then maybe you end up getting disadvantage on your attack or if you, you know, if you crit fail cuz I cuz I know it's not techni- it's not rules as written, but I I like the house rule of using critical successes and failures in skill checks cuz I just think that's there's a there's something special about when somebody rolls a natural 20 on an on attack roll like that's fantastic but i think there's i i like giving that moment in more contexts mm-hmm. especially for non-combat players so actually maybe that's that's another way that i do that is using those using those roles so that people have the opportunity to have that big success with a skill check but also the possibility of that big failure with a natural one um absolutely sometimes it's fairly straightforward if they say you know i'm i'm going to leap off the side of this tower and I'm going to do a, an acrobatics check to try to parkour my way down and they get an at 20, then it's, they do it with such pizzazz and flair and they land on their feet and there's practically, you know, the, the, the crowd in the market applauds. Mm-hmm. Um, but other times it's a little bit more nebulous. Like what is a natural 20 on an arcana check get you that it's okay. You know, everything, you know, everything there is to know about the, the magic item and then what little extra bit of thing can you give them to to reward them for that statistical improbability? Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's cool. And so you talked, I really liked your example, actually, at the very beginning there with the, the monk running up the wall, um, because th- there are a lot of skills that are vo- more physically, physically based, you know, mm-hmm. by the virtue of what kind of attributes they're drawing from. Uh, you talked about some of these more charismatic ones, some of the more charisma based skills mm-hmm. i i find that those tend to be for me personally the ones that are the easiest to drag into role play or to drag into mm. on things that aren't mechanical because oftentimes the players who are going to be playing a charisma based character are going to come up with the flourish themselves at the table they're going to come up with the lie that they're they're coming up with before they even get asked to roll a deception check so that i i, I find that to be a lot of fun but then i have a really hard time being able to provide my table with an opportunity to feel like they discovered something on their own is is harder to do. I mm. so I, I'm not sure if that's something that you've have experience doing that you you also struggle with, or if perception checks and investigation checks. If, if you have any strategies for people listening out there, how do you make a perception check or or an investigate check or even like an insight check? feel more engaging than just oh you beat the dc here's here's a list of things that you find Mm, out sure Um, yeah that's that is a challenge and it's something that i've had to i've had to work on consciously right it's it's mm -hmm. it is very it's very it is very easy to just say okay you rolled a 15 on this investigation check here's what you learn um and so what i what i guess i've i've tried to do is sort of as often as possible to have a specific clue that they're look that I think that they should find. And then if they, you know, if they get a nat 20, then well, you, and usually in that instance, what I try to do is sometimes it's frankly a little bit silly, but I will like, if they're, if they're rolling to research a magic item for, we've, we've talked about that example, I think, um, if they're rolling to research a, ma- a magic item, 
and they get a nat 20, I will say, you know, you know what? Your dad actually had one of these in the attic and you, you used to play <laughs> with it on sun, on, 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 uh, on the weekends and you didn't realize, you didn't realize what it was at the time, but now that you're seeing it again, it clicks, right? Trying to have, trying to give a little bit of a story, a personal connection, maybe. Yeah, that's yeah, nice. yeah. To 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 make it more personal for the character, and to and to have a so have a, a a again, like I said, probably kind of kind of sort of fluffy, but a narrative reason why they would have an extra amount of information. Yeah, I um, love that. Well, actually, I want to I want to I want to spin the question back to you real quick. Is when you're talking about the charismatic, um, the charis the charisma based skills. You you said that the players will often come up with their own flourish or come up with their own lie or or their strategy for, um, for how they're going to approach a negotiation. Um, do you do you allow that to influence the DC? Like if they if if you know that your NPC is really subject to flattery and the character the 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 player spontaneously says, "Oh, I'm just going to tell him he looks he looks really hot and I want to buy him a drink." Do you allow that to change the DC, the difficulty class of the of the check? That's yeah, that's a good question. Um, and my answer is going to be depending on the system that I'm running. <laughs> of uh, but you were and you remind me. Just this question reminds me of, of a conundrum that I've actually had with Dungeons and Dragons for a very long time, and it's that charisma based skills are something that are really easy to roll. Well, not easy because. I shouldn't say that, but it's it's something that if you are naturally a very charismatic person, it's easier for you to play out the fact that you're charismatic and, and enter into role play and have a scene where you have a voice for your character and you schmooze the guard and he lets you in. So if you do that, obviously I, I, I want you to be engaged at my table, so I want to give you some kind of some coming some kind of benefit for doing it. Mm-hmm. But at the but at the same time kind of on the contrary end of the spectrum when you consider things like I don't know athletics checks how how can you how, how can you have a synonymous explanation provided to you as a game master to give somebody a benefit for their athleticism? I mean you you can't say hey do 50 push-ups and I'll give you advantage on your roll like I mean right. that's kind of the closest thing you could you, I can come up with to mm-hmm. having someone's real life attributes affect the, the their role. So anyway, that that's a tangent. That but but um, some sometimes. So I run often. I run games in the fate system. Fate fate is my uh, current system of preference. And what I love about the fate system is that whenever somebody does something that you like, you can. It's basically equivalent to inspiration, but but mm. better. You can. Okay. You can give them a fate point, so you you know you give them this point that allows them to re-roll uh, a skill roll or a skill check or something, uh, so long as they can justify it that it's their character is fated to succeed based on their like background element, you know, descriptors of who their character is. Okay. So whenever they do some kind of description or they provide me with an explanation and they, you know, they put on the character voice and they do all that charismatic stuff that I'm like, yes, I love that. I want more of that at my table. I reward the behavior by giving them this kind of inspiration. So I think that that's perhaps a solution to this, right? To, to kind of counterbalance it a little bit. Uh, also enabling people to be very specific about what they're investigating, that that's kind of one strategy that I try to employ. So when they... Mm when they're in a room and they have to rifle through the desk looking for papers, if they say, I, you know, I look for a locked, I look for where the locked drawer is. I pick it and make them roll something to pick it. And now I'm going to focus my time on looking at that. Okay. Your DC is lowered to find what's in that specific section. You know, you, you're very specific about what you wanted. So your mm-hmm. role isn't going to be as hard. You might not find what you're supposed to be finding, but you were very specific. Um, something that I think might also address this is kind of considering passive skills. I don't, I don't know if that's mm. something that, you know, before we recorded today, uh, you mentioned that this is something that you've been focusing on. It, do you mind letting us know a little bit more about the background, about why you're focusing on passive skills? And if you feel like, you know, focusing on that has generated maybe more engaging 
investigation scenes and, and things like that in your sure. Game. Yeah, no, absolutely. I will. I can talk about my games all day, so <laughs> no, no concern about that. But before I started playing 5e, I don't think I had ever played a system that had a passive skill check hmm. or passive skill. I guess it's not even, I guess it's not really a check. It's just a passive skill number. I don't know what you want. I don't even, I, like I, just, I don't even know what it's, passive, passive skill score, I guess. Yeah, That's, yeah. Um, I'm not, I was, I'm not aware of that I have played a system that had, that had a feature like that. And so, um, there are actually, I guess, three three reasons why I wasn't using it. A was my unfamiliar, my my un, my lack of familiarity with how they worked. The other was with the uh, because I'm so often playing with new players. The calculating it for their character sheet added one more task in character creation that I was like, I I hardly ever use this anyway, so don't worry about it. And but and the third thing was that you know it's perception and investigation and insight, all of which are about trying to gather information from from your, from the outside world and i think maybe not investigation so much but perception and insight are both there's a lot of really interesting opportunities to say roll an insight check or you know i think i think the i think the classic example is you're creeping through the dark you, you know, your party is creeping through a dark dungeon and you ask them to roll a perception check and they roll low and you say you don't see, you don't hear anything, or you don't see anything, or you yeah, don't yeah. notice anything wrong, right? Or, you know, they're having a conversation with an NPC, and you say, roll me an insight check. And again, they roll low. And so you say, yeah, you you believe this person is telling the truth, and you see no reason not to, you know, not to believe them. Um, it's it's a signal that, hey, something is going on here, and it can be it can be pretty effective at, at it helping keep helping the players be engaged. It's like, oh, there's a, there's information here now. And also, if you are trying to nudge them in a particular direction, it's useful for yeah. Here's a clue that maybe you missed something, and you might want to investigate it. Now, if your players are, mm -hmm. if your players are very conscientious about not metagaming, then they'll move on and <laughs> not use it. But um, <laughs> I think I think most of my groups have at least the temptation to to zero in on that. But um, I, and so. What prompted me to start using it again is that I'm actually I'm I'm uh, I'm DMing Curse of Strahd. Horror is not my not in my comfort zone. I'm much mm. much happier with things that can be a little goofy, where I'm trying to go for the joke as often as possible. Um, but there is something, there is an opportunity. I I I I found for the first time really enjoying the opportunity of saying, okay, these characters have are very good at this thing, and so without them making a check i can decide i can see whether or not they notice mm -hmm. that something is creeping up on them if it's if it's stealthy enough to avoid detection from their passive senses then it comes as a complete surprise when it ambushes them um and so it providing it providing a tool that works very well in that atmosphere of trying to build suspense um and then also frankly just because most of my players, even the ones that I play with in person, are using D&D Beyond or some other tool like that to create their character sheets that does the calculation for them. And so I can just look at their character sheet without having to ask them. Asking them what their passive perception score is is functionally the same thing as saying, roll a perception check and see if they fail or miss, or see if they succeed or fail. And so because I can easily see it without having to ask, it feeds into that whole, it's a surprise. Uh I'll, I agree with you. I very rarely used passive perception in any of my games. I, I just, I've always found perception to be a necessary attribute that I hated having to use. Like it was one of those things that you enter a room, obviously you see stuff. Like right. <laughs> <you're> not, <laughs> no matter how low your perception score is, there are going to be things that you notice. Um, maybe not everything. Some people are a little bit more you know, aloof than others in real life. So it would make sense that not everybody notices everything when you walk into a space. But I've always had my gripes with, with perception as being a skill that like every time you enter a room, you make people roll and yeah, things like this. So anyway, I, I have some rapid fire questions for you because I'm looking at the clock Ooh. and I don't want to, I don't want to keep you here for too long, but I, I have some, you know, there's a lot of opinions about skills and, and things like this. So without too much, uh, uh, more of a preamble. I'm going to shoot them off and, and give us, you know, a quick, your quick position and maybe a quick justification and we'll move on to the next thing. All right, hit me. Um, so the first thing is, can players call for skill checks at your table? 
Yes. Now, usually I'll ask them to specify, like, especially if it's one of the, like, I want to make an investigation or I want to make an insight check. I'll say, okay, tell me what you're trying to, dis- to t- tell me what you're trying to figure out with this check. Um, but yes, now, because again, because it's mostly new players, I encourage them to tell me what they want to do and then I'll figure out what skill it is. But mm-hmm. if they're a little bit more experienced and they have a reasonable grasp of what the skills are, I'll absolutely let them pick a skill. Right. And, uh, Cool. That that makes sense. Uh, what about using attributes that don't normally associate to a specific skill? Is that something that you have somebody roll like um, an intimidate check, but instead of using charisma, they're using their strength or things like this? Like have variable use of attributes. Yes, I do. Um, not very often because most of the time the skills do pair fairly well with the particular attribute. But yeah, that's that that is actually the specific example that I can think of is of a character who is very strong and and physically imposing i'm trying to make a strong npc understand that i am stronger than him and i'm going to rip his arms off and we did a yeah we did a strength intimidation check cool cool are there others that you can think of off the off the cuff gosh um i have on occasion I've used intelligence and performance for something that was more like an academic lecture rather than a, okay. um, that, you know, trying to convey, convey information with a flourish. Um, for me, it, it often tends to be the physical skill, like constitution or mm, strength. Mm-hmm. I will use in a, in a spot that appears to be unconventional. Like I, I've done, I've done constitution performance before, actually, for like a drinking really? contest or something. Yeah, it's oh, like you know what, yeah, yeah. you want to, you just want to show off and 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 win this competition and uh-huh. down, fi- you know, fifteen beers faster than the other guy. Well, let's roll a constitution performance to see how you keep your wits, something like that. Um, you know, it's a, I I think that that's the sort of thing that um, I will. When it happens, it's usually because the player has described to me how they want to do the thing. And I'm like, you know, that sounds like it's that sounds like a different combination. And so, um, I guess probably because because again, because I do play mostly with new players, maybe it hasn't come up that often. Mm, I see there was there was at least one more, and i'm i th- I feel like it was. I think it might actually have been intelligence intimidation now that I think about it. Cause yeah, I have a, I, I, I have another group that I'm running. Um, we've been on hiatus for a while, but I, I had a group that I was running through several of the Candlekeep mysteries adventures cool. sort of back to back that we, we, the, with the conceit that they were kind of like this rapid response team for the library and trying, trying to find <laughs> these missing books or whatever. Um, and I, and one of the players was, was, was sort of getting into a, an academic jargon off basically um and trying to sort of out lecture the other one and so i let her do and and i let her do an intelligence intimidation check she, her charisma score wasn't great but she had a brig old brain and she was like i'm going to just dump everything i know about this subject on this on this person and show them that i'm the you know oh gee the, the lecturer in recent runes um cool. to quote the late lamented terry bratchett so yes that was the yeah. other example i was looking for Awesome. Awesome. Great. All right. On to the next rapid fire question. What is a skill at your table that you use too often and that you probably shouldn't use as often as you do? Oh, that's probably... I mean, we all have a favorite, right? Where it's like, maybe it, maybe the scope well, of that one skill is a little bit broader. Gotcha. Oh, that's fair. So so are you, are you, is that as a, as a player or as a DM? Uh, ooh, let's go both. Both. Okay. I was I was focused on the DM, but but I'm sure there's a player, there's a skill there that you're like, I'm always gonna do this. As a player, I'm constantly I'm constantly asking to make insight checks, and that's something that I know that I that, that is because I just that's that's something I'm not great at as a person is mm. reading other people. Like I tend to be very kind of oh you, you what you said what you said and I believe you. <laughs> um, and so as a as when I'm playing a pc i'm like inside check inside check is that person telling the truth is that person lying to me um as a dm i think i think i think probably perception checks like there's just there it's the kind of thing that you if you don't ask for them players will ask for them mm. like they'll there there are a lot that you like you said they walk into a room and they want to see what they can see right and so yeah. um they sometimes that can be a little 
just a little tedious. Like, yeah, okay, it's it's a room. And I feel like, and I think there's something to your point about everybody who walks into a room is going to see, well, I should say, everybody who is traditionally abled who walks into a room is going to see the room. Um, and so they're going to experience the room in their own way. And so the range of what what a 2 to a 20, where with something like, something like arcana or history you can say oh you've studied very specifically studied this this mm-hmm. civilization and their history okay that makes sense but the range of you walk into a brightly lit room and you roll a two on your perception check were you distracted by a bird in the window and you just didn't or you know were you were you texting on your fantasy iphone and you didn't and you walked into the door frame versus a 20 where you just you've maybe you've been in this room you've dreamed about being in this room and you know where the loose floorboards are like yeah that is a strange spread in my opinion yeah absolutely absolutely all right um what about the opposite uh a skill that never shows up like for me animal handling get out of here it never (laughs) (laughs) never it never happens (laughs) yeah i think animal handling is probably i think Nature is one also that doesn't show up all that often, but I think that again, that's a that's a design challenge. It's one of those things. It's it's. I find it's very specific. Um, it's setting specific too, like nature. Like you're saying, it's also one of those things that if you're playing in like an urban campaign, it can be a stretch to find moss on a rock. You know, like things like this. Like mm-hmm. nature, you can stretch it. You can work with your players, obviously, to make sure that they're not picking skills that are not going to be, you know, that that will be useless. Um, yes, and that's and and there's I think there's a there's a bit of a session zero question there of like, okay, this is the t- this is the kind of environment that I'm going for. I want it to it, it, we're we're sort of going to be it's an urban noir kind of mystery solving, you know, splashing through the sewers maybe kind of thing, but not a lot of delving into dungeons or you know exploring deep dark forests. Yeah. Let's build your characters accordingly. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, and I think that was it. The, the last question I had was about skill challenges. Mm. Um, very quickly, for those of you listening, a skill challenge is when you have a series of several skill checks, and the players usually there's a threshold. You know, the players fail the skill challenge if they, you know, they get three failures. They they might succeed at at talking to a lot of people in the ballroom and and they're getting a lot of intelligence from different NPCs at the party but then as soon as you get the third strike you're out and you get kicked out of the party so things like this um is that something that you've used in the past in your games KO I like I I love a skill check as an opportunity to take a turn in the story right and so um if the party wants to try to solve a situation without combat coming up with skill checks for them to to maybe, you know, stealth is an easy one. Obviously, you're sneaking around rather than avoiding the combat or, you know, sleight of hand to steal something or um, persuasion or intimidation to talk your way through a door instead of fighting the guards, right? So I will usually use serial skill checks, serial skill checks like that when I'm trying to simulate a larger interaction. Like, Gathering intelligence at a party is a great example where you have the party spreads out and they're all talking to various different people. And so, yeah, they I have sometimes it's sometimes it's an individual rolling multiple times or sometimes it's each member of the party rolling and then seeing how much information they gather as a group. Um, I wouldn't I don't usually use that in a pass or fail kind of way. It's more of a. I'll have a I'll have in my notes I'll have a list of seven important things that they need to know and then mm-hmm. for for every for every successful skill for every successful investigation check or persuasion and and I'll let, I'll very often I'll let them decide like is this a, something that you where you're sort of trying to listen trying to overhear in the crowd or are you going to butter somebody up flatter somebody and try to get them to tell you them um are you and I'll let them decide. I'll, I'll I'll figure out which skill they want to use and how they want to use it. And then for each success, they get one piece of the information. And if they and however many successes they get, they get that much of the information. And then if, awesome. if somebody rolls a nat twenty, I'll give them two pieces. Right. Um, I'll also use it to when I'm trying to simulate a battle where there's more than just the party. So they'll like they'll be leading an army, and so they'll each get to they'll each have a squad that they get to roll a skill check to try to 
give them some advantage in the or some some extra asset in the battle. Um, so that's usually the context in which I'm trying to when I'm trying to simulate a system that is larger than just one character asking an NPC a question or one uh, attacking a monster. Awesome. Yeah, I I've always been quite partial to them. I I I like them very much like you're like you're describing to simulate a situation. Uh, sometimes they have timers on them, mm. like so yeah, after X amount of failures, mm. the timer runs out or you know, the guards start to notice you more and more. So once you've filled in the little clock, you know, it's done. You didn't fail, but you, your, your time to gather whatever resource you were trying to gather has, has, has fired? struck. <laughs> yeah, it's fired. It's done. Gotcha. Um, all right, cool. That was the end of my, my rapid fire uh, skill questions. We did get a couple of comments on Twitter. Uh, I wanted to bring particular attention to one. Sure. And this one was from Blake uh, Blake Ryan, whose Twitter handle is at FlyingFox369. And Blake uh, tells us an opinion about skill checks, and I kind of wanted to very quickly, KO, uh, ask you if you agree or disagree with it and why. So I'm going to you know, start quotes here. Blake says, Once per session, I say you know slash notice X, because this is your thing. You've been trained, etc., to each character. Mm. This gives them a free win to show their competence. Is this something that uh, you would consider doing in your games, KO? Mm. Just kind of give them a win. Give them something that they don't even have to roll for. I know you're good at it, so you get it. Or is that something that goes against your... Uh, That's interesting. Your jamming philosophies. I... I don't know that I would do it, but mostly, but not out of any philosophical objection, more just that I don't, the players, the folks who play at, in the games that I'm running now, I think are comfortable with, how to say it. Well, while you think about it, I'll say, you know, my position is I've never done it, yeah. uh, not because I don't agree or disagree with it, but I, I do think that it would be hard for me to say that one particular character is necessarily the best suited to win. There's a quote unquote win that right. skill um, because I, there's a lot of overlap in my, in the tables that I run. So I would feel bad actually, you know, giving the, the rogue, the stealth victory for free. I, I feel like I'd be robbing somebody else of a cool moment. I, feel i'm robbing them of rolling the dice maybe i don't know I, I i maybe i'd have to sit on this a little bit more but i don't think i would do it but blake i'm not saying that it's a bad thing for you that you are good on you i'm sure your table uh, has a good time with it but i i don't think i would yeah that's interesting it's that. not something i guess it's not something i'd ever really thought of doing just because the the way the way the way i run my games and the way my players play we just there's we roll and and the again the story kind of goes from there but i don't yeah i don't have any objection to it and i don't think it's not i don't think it's a bad i think like 85 percent of the of the rules-based drama could be solved by replacing the phrase sucks with isn't my cup of tea there's <laughs> there's so much of like this rule is terrible versus it would this rule wouldn't work at my table and that's just so yeah i i i'm sure I, I agree i'm sure that it works great for blake's table his players i'm sure love it i don't think he would continue doing it if he uh, if they didn't but it's just not something i've ever really considered mm. yeah yep, yep. all right thanks for thanks for that uh flying fox 369 for your for your thoughts and uh with that KO, you know, we're at the end of the episode. What I like to do at the end of the episode is try to challenge ourselves to summarize the entire discussion <laughs> we just had uh, in, in, in a small digestible... Oh, uh, you should not have away. let me go off on so many tangents then. That's going to make this <laughs> awfully... Uh, so, uh, you know, I'll, I'll start off by giving you the opportunity to tell quickly what, the, what a skill in a role-playing game is. And then we'll take it. Sure. Uh, skill is the game trying to simulate your interaction with the world. It's how do you gather information? How do you influence it? How do you leave your mark? And all of taking all of the possible things you could do and boiling them down into a manageable set of options. Awesome. Wonderful. Beautiful. Uh, then we went on to talk about 
how certain skills are easier to engage your table with, you know, in a out of the meta kind of scenario. Some of the skills, mainly the charisma based ones, uh, are a little bit easier to kind of get that more role play focus coming out or away from the rules and into the game. But then we talked about using uh, passive skills yeah. to try to massage that in, uh, tying in character backgrounds or things in the past of the character, make it a little bit more personal when you're doing investigations or, or, or things like mm-hmm. that to also try to simulate a more, you know, less rules and more fun. And also using um, it as, yeah, using it as an opportunity for if you want to build, if you want, if you want something to come as a surprise, being able to say, to figure out whether the character would notice it or not without tipping the player to the fact that there's something they should be trying to notice. We talked a little. We talked a little bit about using alternate abilities for checks, which is, I think, a wonderful DM tool. If you have a character who's got a specific, interesting spin on the way they want to approach a check, you can say, you know what, this is. This doesn't sound like you would be using your just your purely the force of your personality, but it would. But maybe you're using. It's very intellectual, or it's um, even you know you're intimidating somebody with just your big old muscles, and so you have the opportunity to mix and match skills with the supporting attribute um we talked about skill challenges which i think we both agreed we sort of use when we're trying to simulate a a larger environment without having to maybe role play the entire thing one-on-one um yeah yeah so i hope uh, everybody found a lot of knowledge there that you can use if uh if you did i'd love for you to reach out to us to tell us um. So Hello. now is the time of the show where Ko, you get to let people know where they can find you to give you all the kudos that you deserve, and and also you know give us a a parting plug of all of the projects that you're working on the the the, the, the podcast where they can listen to it, all that kind of absolutely. Stuff. So uh, Roll Factory is a labor of love that has succumbed to life too often, but I am. Very close to releasing my season on uh, saving throws. I am on basically all of the socials as RPG Roll Factory. You can also reach out to me by email at rollfactory at particulatemedia.com. Uh, Particulate Media is my podcast production company. So if you are an actual play podcast who that or that is either either you have a concept that you want to launch or you have a show and you're looking to offload some of the editing and production. I would be happy to talk to you about that as well. I have several clients, but none of them is uh, RPG related. I would love to get an actual play podcast in my roster, so please feel free to reach out to to me about that. Otherwise, I'm my personal tw- my personal Twitter handle is Troublematic. Uh, I have opinions about most things, but I'm trying to be a little less free with my uninformed ones these days. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ko, for being on the show to talk to us about. Uh, skill checks skill challenges and, and and all of that i look forward to joining you on roll factory yeah, for those of you listening be sure to stay plugged in um i'll make sure that i blast it off the top of the mountain when uh when the time comes but i'm looking forward to doing that so yeah thanks so much ko for being here absolutely i this was a fantastic deep dive into a subject that i think i don't i don't think about as often as i could it's, it's I, I do a lot of it by instinct these days, and so just thinking about how we use skills and use them at the table, I think is fantastic. So thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. My pleasure. And as always, if you wanted to reach out to me, you can do that by contacting me on Twitter. That's at roll underscore play underscore chat. Or you can write me an email at contact roleplaychat at gmail.com. Don't forget to give the show a five-star review or a thumbs up or a recommendation. It goes a long way. And with that, Thanks again, KO. Let's call it a chat.